Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You lucky team, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state, and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You, too, can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned. Because it's on now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable here on the Tom Sumner Program. And joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes our roundtable regulars. On the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter. Good morning, Henry. Good morning, Tom. And joining us this week, political operative, Bobby Clayton Walton. Good morning, Bobby. Welcome. Thanks. Hi, guys. Hi, Bobby. Well, we always start with uh, a few quotes, and the first one is always finish the quote, uh, where I ask you, how would you finish this quote? And it goes, I cannot believe that war is the best solution. No one won the last war, and what? No one will win the future one, or the next one. That's it. You you got it. That's exactly oh. what the quote is. I cannot believe Dr. that. I, yeah, I cannot believe that war is the best solution. No one won the last war, and no one will win the next war. Do you know who said that? Mm. Um, our premier, uh, British premier, um, name escapes me. I know you uh, who you're thinking of. Churchill. Um, no, it I'm was wondering not. whether it was is it possible John Lennon said something like that? No, but uh, it's it's. Let me let me just let me say this. Um, I I picked this quote in honor of uh, International Women's Day, which was yesterday. Oh. Um, Mother Teresa. <laughs> Mother uh, Teresa. I don't know. Now, I don't think anybody would mix this this woman up with uh, Mother Teresa, although no. Hillary, Hillary Clinton. No, but no. but some might. It was Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, oh yeah. she was always a good one. Yeah, yeah. I should have guessed her. 
I sort of said that. I'm reading her biography. She's quite a character. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah. which, which biography are you reading? Um, I think it's just called Eleanor. Um, it was a gift at Christmas time, and I finally got started on it. And it's quite good. Very, very good. I'm looking to see where I put it. Here it is. The author is David Michaels, or Michaelis, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-I-S, and it's just called Eleanor. Hmm. I've always had a great amount of respect for Eleanor Roosevelt. Yeah, she had a great effect upon him and upon really a lot of public policy in those years. Well, she was a brilliant woman, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I had someone on the show a couple of years ago who did a book about Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, but it, uh, it, it, it had a kiss-and-tell quality to it. Um, oh, this is quite academic. It's very heavily footnoted, so everything that's in here certainly appears to be historically accurate. But it's yeah, also interesting. It's not written in a dull way. Yeah, there's that one that was... Didn't Joseph Lash do one some years ago on Eleanor? Like, I mean, many years ago. I'm going to say 30, 20 or 30 years ago, probably. Yeah. Had it not, yeah. Had it not been for Eleanor... The Tuskegee Airmen would have never had a chance to fight as the air pilots. Really? Yeah, point. she was. Yeah. And she wasn't she our first ambassador to the UN? Oh yeah, very definitely. Yeah, okay. she she was so influential. Actually, I'm bragging a little bit. I got to hear her speak in 1960. Um, <laughs> she was touring and making speeches in favor of John Kennedy. Where where was that? It was in Chicago Heights, Illinois. Because I uh, I met someone who um, heard her speak. In fact, he um, and this was up up in in Saginaw or or Midland, uh, up in up in the Tri Cities, um, probably during that same tour. And, and I think he he met her and had a chance. I I think he. Um, worked at the college that she was speaking at, and somehow it fell on him to show her to her seat on the dais or something. Oh, oh, interesting. And, and yeah, in 1960, a, she was a supporter of Adlai Stevenson for a third shot, but then when Kennedy won the nomination, she came around and finally supported JFK. Um, yeah, she, she gave an excellent, uh, excellent talk. My mother, who was extremely um, politically motivated, made a point of stepping up to shake her hand as she was leaving, and I oh. was much too shy. I sort of held back. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, when the war was still being put together back in 1943, <clears throat> the military high command, and you know the, the Air Force was under the Army at that time, and uh, the uh, high command advised uh, people not to ride with Tuskegee Airmen because they were unsafe and unqualified and so on and so forth. Mrs. Roosevelt took a trip to Tuskegee, and she said, I want to write, uh, I want to try out the, uh, the uh, airplanes that the uh, Tuskegee Airmen are flying. Oh. So they, she said, oh, Mrs. Roosevelt, I advise you not to. But she says, give me that man right over there. <laughs> and she pointed to a black soul, uh, airman, and he took her up and did the loop loop around 
Pierre Field and so on and so forth came back, and that was the end of that. Yeah, well, she, she was much more of an advocate for civil rights than Franklin ever was yeah. during those years yes, in terms of many issues. I mean, the uh, uh, in terms of uh, Marian, when Marian Anderson sang at uh, what Independence Hall, yes. uh, she yes. was the one who really made that happen, not the Franklin. The daughter mm -hmm. of the American Revolution, she was. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot about uh, her. Well, this was an interesting week for quotes, and I, 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 I did some digging, and, and here's one that, that caught my attention. There is no room in this party for apologists for Putin. There is only room for champions of freedom. Uh, Pence, yeah. I think, right? It was. It was indeed. Yeah. Former Vice President yeah. Mike Pence on Friday condemned Republican apologists who have used positive language to describe Russian President Vladimir Putin amid his invasion of Ukraine, according to a source who was yeah. in the room as Pence spoke to top GOP donors. The line received applause from donors who were gathered for a Republican National Committee retreat in New Orleans. According to the source, the event was closed to the press. Is the former Veep positioning himself as a moral compass in the GOP? I believe he is. Sounds like it. Yeah, it seems like it. Um, I'm hoping that, that the pendulum hasn't swung too far and that he can bring things back. The center. Oh, yeah, it's it's really very distressing to see what's happening. But it's not only guys the the Republicans that are responsible for this. It's it's all Americans, Democrats and Republicans are basically responsible because they're at odds with themselves. They can't find a behind. No, but this is. What, do you say. think that, that some of Trump's comments are going to finally cause more and more Republicans to pull away from him? Well, I, I, I think that this was um, Pence uh, being clever in a way that he's not usually accredited with. Um, but by using um, Putin, who's easily a, a, attackable because of his behavior in, the, in the Ukraine recently, um, as a surrogate for... Donald Trump and, and yeah. people that are um, overly supportive of some of Trump's worst behavior. And and I wonder if this isn't Mike Pence saying, you know, um, when you when you get behind people like this, you damage the party. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you damage the country, too. I think I think for Pence, uh, I've been impressed with what I know about the people who were his aides and worked with him when he was the vice president, um, some of the things I've heard them say, some of the positions I've seen them take, I think he is either lucky or smart and surrounds himself with people who give him good advice. Do, do you think Pence is going to make any kind of a run for it on his own for president? Do you think that's a viable possibility? I think he's already positioning himself for that. Self-evident. I'm not sure if he could pull off a run for the presidency, but he could become the hmm. RNC chair. Oh, that's a that's a, that's a possibility. Yeah, yeah. I, somehow I don't quite see him as a viable candidate either for 
not just because of his ties to Trump, but he just this doesn't seem like a. I don't know. He keeps saying stuff like this. Yeah. He may change. Yeah, his you never position. know. I mean, I, I never thought Trump <laughs> would be there either. Right? So who knows? Yeah. Well, here's uh, yeah. You know, I, I think uh, Republicans are looking for a viable candidate that can wait the waters and attract both Democrats and independents to and help bring the country back to a sense of civility and order. Well, here's, here's another quote that caught my attention. I think we've got just enough time to squeeze this in before we go to break. I'm ready to throw my hat back in the ring again and fight for the people of this community. Uh, Karen Weaver. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was. These, these are all fairly obvious today. Uh, former Flint Mayor Karen Weaver made it official Saturday that she will be pursuing her old seat at the helm of the city. Weaver uh, served for one term as Flint's mayor from uh, 2015 during the Flint water crisis. She was defeated by current Mayor Sheldon Neely in 2018 by a narrow margin. Um of uh, 7,082 votes to 6,877 votes. Uh, the mayoral primary election is August 2nd. The top two vote-getters in that contest will compete in the general election on November 8th. Will will this, in fact, be a rematch? Yeah, I think well, it will. Do you think those two that, will top the... That would be my guess, yeah. The only thing, I mean, I, I don't know who else might get into the race... But, uh, I mean, I would think those two are going to be the most most likely candidates to emerge out of the August primary, if there are more than two. And uh, it does look like a rematch. You know, people have talked about the possibility of a run by uh, uh, current um, Senate Minority Senator. Leader Jim yeah. Ananick. Yeah. And if, if those two end up in the primary, would it, not be a good idea for uh, Jim Ananick to to try and go up against them. Yeah, I mean, they party split. You know, black voters. Possibility, yeah. If I was Jim Ananick, I wouldn't want to run for mayor of Flint. That's yeah. In fact, I think Ananick is, is all but said he wasn't going to do it. Although people can change their minds too. But uh, yeah, but by the same token, what do you what do you, what do you get? this new and different that will empower Flint to move ahead and solve its problems, bring in new businesses and settle down the population. Because you've heard from both candidates here and uh, we don't want any more of the same old thing. We want Flint to rise and become the city that it was 20 years ago. Well, that's... Yeah, but if you look at the skills and the experience and the things that Ananik has done, serving uh, in Lansing for these years, how does that translate into what he would be required to do as mayor? It's such a different um, different venue. I don't, I'm not saying he couldn't do it, but I don't see it as a natural fit. And like I say, the financial picture is just going to be so challenging in the years to come, I'm, I'm afraid. That well, he is, a former, he is a former member of the uh, city council, and he was uh, yeah. president of the council. So he knows Flint politics, too. Now, whether or not he's better fitted to a legislature as opposed to doing something administrative, that, that I don't know. But we need to take a short break here. We'll come back with more armchair politics on today's edition of the Tom Sumner program with Paul Rosicki, Henry Hatter, joined by Bobby Clayton Walton. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be right back.
Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Say, objection. Hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just, um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back to uh, today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program and Armchair Politics with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Bobby Clayton Walton. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you. Uh, Tom, before you go to the next subject, can I have a last comment on that last subject that we were talking about? Sure. Okay. Um, I, well, you know, there's one of the candidates that, in my opinion, is better than the others, and that's our current mayor. Uh, he has great linkages to the the governor and to her cabinet, and he has links to the Republican Party. He's one of the most uh, likable candidates to lean both ways in this circumstance because he should. The city of Flint is a nonpartisan city, and um, and mayors in the past have not treated it that way. So I would hope that, and besides, he hasn't had the money to do what he wanted to do. Nobody has. Until we reach the point where we can bring new businesses into the city, we'll just limp along. So, and I think that Mayor Neely has that best choice for that. And, and uh, we should not move backwards. Well, I think I, I, I would add a couple of things to that. One is I think... Uh, um, Karen Weaver, in her announcement that she's seeking the, the position again, I thought she did an outstanding job of um, sort of articulating her accomplishments and contributions as mayor. Um, whether or not you believe she was really responsible for all those things, that's, uh, that's for the campaign. But I thought she did a nice job of saying why she thought she was qualified. But I think Bobby brought up an interesting point, and that is, where's the new blood if we have a rematch? Yeah, no, I brought no, that up. I mean, I, I would think if there's a rematch, it could be a very close race. I mean, it was only, what, 200 votes spread last time. Yeah. And there's kind of, there's often an anti-incumbent feeling again when things are in, aren't going well, and they're not going well with the city council, at least. Do you think so that's, I, you I, know, I we used to... a very competitive race. Paul, we used to talk about the incumbent advantage. Um, yeah. Do, do you think anti-incumbent sentiment has uh, all but eliminated the incumbent advantage? I, or, or? I'm inclined to think that. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm inclined to think that. I mean, especially these days, that whoever is in power is likely to be looked upon as the the bad guy until yeah. the next one gets in power. But that's and only for this. Remember, we live our lives in decades. And we beyond that, we either hear nothing or see anything. So see any advantages overrooting for uh, 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 giving a loyalty to the past. Well, you know, one of the things we've talked about in the past, this group, uh, was uh, people's trust in government. And um, I think the trust in government has been declining. If you look at the numbers of people who actually voted in that mayoral election, Yes. Uh, as, as a percentage, right? As a percentage of people who are qualified to vote, and yeah. then talk about um, throwing out, you know, the old and bringing in the new, if people are inclined to vote at all, 
and they yes. don't trust government. That's, they're that's more a good apt- point. Yeah. yeah, I think they're more apt to go yeah. with a new face. Yeah, that could be. And there's something that uh, John Gleason likes to talk about, but it, it's always a little bit risky. And that is um, that such a huge percentage of the of the Flint voting population is black, and you have these two black candidates in the primary. Um, does that split the black vote and create an opening for a white candidate? Yeah, when you mentioned Jim Adams, well, that's thing, always, the, the racial that's split occurred that. to me. I mean, if, if he was the only white candidate, would you see a racial split along those lines? I, it could well, well I'm not so sure. I well, and, and the, way, like the way our Jim primary Adams. works is if you had the black vote split, uh, yeah. assuming it's three-way, now we know it's going to be several more candidates than just those three, but those will be the three big names, I think. If if Jim Ananick were to decide to run, um, you would have this black vote split, and then what you would end up with is whichever one topped the black vote, which we would maybe have to give a slight advantage to the incumbent, Shelton Neely, um, you might end up with uh, Jim Ananick and Sheldon Neely being the top vote getters. That could be, yeah, that's a possibility. Uh, but but then, by the same token, how do you explain what happened in Detroit? And Detroit is a very yeah. uh, unusual point, city, point, Henry. divided yeah. right down the middle to black and white, clear as base, and yet look what the outcome was. Yeah, well, that's, it that's depends, true. too, on, on what the turnout is. Um, for, the, for the primary especially, we were lucky if we have a 10 or 20% turnout most years. I thought you were right. going to say 10 or 20 people. Yeah, if you look at the turnout, I know the League of Women Voters has started a new project up in the northern end of Flint to stimulate more political and voting activity in that community. Um, they were given a um, Ruth Mott Foundation grant to get it started. Uh, going out and, and reaching out into the community, educating voters, getting them interested in registering to vote and voting may, if it's successful, change that, I hope, um, in which case it might increase the turnout in the black community, and so you might be looking at something different there, too. You know, it's so, so much of it is so iffy. Yeah, well, you know, don't don't you think here in Flint, especially, we're kind of dealing with the hangover from the emergency managers and the water crisis, where for the long, for a significant amount of time, really, the elected officials didn't have any real power. So I think there, that's a factor, particularly to Flint, that's made us more cynical than ever, too. Yeah, that's true. Well, and this doesn't help. City Council President Eric Mays says he's trying to smooth out differences with colleagues, some of whom said this week they want him to treat others with more respect and who are investigating how to remove him from future meetings. Mays got an earful during a special council meeting on Thursday, and 6th Ward Councilwoman Tanya Burns, who supported his rise to council president just a few months ago, has asked city attorneys to detail the steps needed to remove him as president or to remove him from future meetings. 
I will not be a part of mayhem nor chaos. I'm not doing it, Burns said Thursday. I will not be in an abusive relationship, Burns' comments came just days after a council meeting ended abruptly on Monday, February 28th, after Mays ordered some members removed from council chambers and others left on their own, breaking the council's quorum. Burns said she left after seeing how Mays treated a city attorney, whom he threatened with removal from the meeting, and clerk Inez Brown. Third Ward Councilman Quincy Murphy also blasted Mays Thursday, saying he has been out of order for a long time. <laughs> yeah. You are a shame and disgrace, as the president of the city council, Murphy, said. You are a shame and disgrace for the city of Flint. As long as you are president of this council, this city will never move forward. After Thursday's meeting, the council president said he believes relations among council members will get better. We'll have way more good meetings than bad. Um, he said, I'll try to smooth it out. Is it all on Eric Mays to restore dignity and decorum to Flint City government? Well, he's be the a longest. good start. Yes. Yeah. Not all, but he's, he certainly carries, he, the, I think, the largest single yeah. burden, but I think others are bear some responsibility, too. There's been, yeah. it seems like the, the friction feeds upon itself. You know, when Eric spouts off, then the others come back in a similar fashion, and before you know, you know what, you got a shouting match going. So, yeah. Yeah, but if he's in a position of responsibility as a leader, yeah. he sets the tone. Yeah. Yes, he does. So it, it, it's incumbent upon Eric to set a better And And he uh, set the tone for a long that. time, even, even before he was president. He, he played a major role in setting the tone. Like I said, I don't think he's the only one, but certainly the greatest burden falls on him, I think. And he has the capacity to do that because he has so much influence on everybody else. There are several new candidates um, or, or new council people after the last election. Um, six out of nine, right? Yeah, yeah, six out of nine. It was not quite a, not quite a totally new council, but heavily so. And yeah. a majority of women, and right. they, they're mostly people who campaigned on bringing order and decorum back to city government. And I don't know if, uh, you know, Eric Mays may have a majority of members on the council for certain issue-related things, but I don't think he's going to find um, people are very friendly to his usual Well, as you say, even, even Councilwoman Burns, who supported him initially, now is sort of backing away from that. So, yeah, yeah he may be losing what support he had. But to demonstrate success for me, he's got to learn how to work with the mayor. Uh, that is very critical to solve the problems of the people of the city of Flint. They've got to work conjointly. If, they want, if their mission is to bring back businesses, to improve schools, improve safety, uh, make sure that people are getting the service that they ask him for or them for, did, did uh, I make sure that they're working collectively to do that. Did I see him in the uh, in in the group on the on the dais when Karen Weaver made her announcement? I wasn't sure. I I, I, I kind of wondered because I, I think he's sort of 
leaned her way in the past on occasion, but I, but he's also made noises himself about. I thought I thought I too. saw him at the event, but yeah. I I certainly don't want to spread that if if yeah, I yeah I, I wasn't sure I, I'm not sure that I saw him, but I I because I saw a couple of clips of her 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 presentation. Well, you know, and he has the, the right to feel around for who he wants to, guys. Don't take that away from him. It's not scandalous to do that. No. Uh, he's got to feel his way. Henry, one of the things I heard you say, well, we use the word learn, that he's got to learn. And yes. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to be cynical, but I haven't seen him show any evidence of learning anything. Um, I don't know that, you know, he's an old dog, and I don't know that new tricks are in his, his, in his pocket. I don't know. I, th I think in the past, been been great, though. Tom used to say that when, when Eric first got elected, that once he got to the adult table, he would, his behavior would change. And I think many of us thought that would happen, but it certainly doesn't seem to have happened. He's the same old Eric he was when he was sitting in the audience and, uh, you know, yelling and screaming and making noises from the audience. The real test of, of whether or not Eric can can learn is if there's a change in his learning curve with a change of of attitude and power amongst the members of the city council if if he can recognize that maybe he's not going to get away with the same old same old stuff yeah and uh, you know his his rhetoric in the wake of this recent meeting he's saying the right things now let's see if he actually has has learned something, if or if he's it. just saying what he thinks people want to hear. You know, you know, right after the the last election, the the last November election for the council, for the first two, I think two meetings, it was relatively civil compared to what it had been before. It looked like we might even have a new city council, and they might get along and be more civil. But again, it seemed to last for about two meetings, and then they went back to the the same old stuff they'd always been doing. But don't you think that people repeat behavior that pays off for them? Somehow he's yeah. getting whatever he wants out of doing it the way he does it. A lot of attention. That's true. Well, he has. And, and I guess the question is, will that continue? Or is this new council um, willing and capable of putting an end to it? Well, Which know, means they have to stop giving him what he wants. Exactly. Yeah. But his his comments recently might be might be an interesting example of that. I mean, to some degree, as I say, some of his former allies have turned on him, and, and maybe the fact that what he said that you quoted earlier, Tom, might maybe if it lasts, maybe it might be a sign that uh, he uh, he he'll be able to play the game a bit differently. As I say, how long it lasts remains to be seen, though. <laughs> I remember telling my husband once when he had a difficult time with one of his supervisors at work you can give them a good idea and make them think it's their idea and you'll get it done <laughs> so if the council makes him think it's his idea to be well behaved then maybe will. it'll happen <laughs> well you know I, I i'm not very prone to quoting ronald reagan but wasn't there a quote he had that uh, uh you, you can get a lot done if you don't if you don't worry about who gets credit for it or something along the yeah, way. yeah. Right away. and that's true that's so true well, the County Board of Commissioners wants a written report from Clerk Register John Gleason detailing the attempted recall of Davison School Board member Matthew Smith. Uh, commissioners, uh, let's see, where am I? 
Commissioners voted unanimously to require the report after supporters of the recall asked for an accounting of the procedures, processes, documentation, and justifications that led the county's uh, the county clerk's office to conclude that the attempted recall fell 38 signatures short of being placed on the ballot. Gleason did not speak at the commissioner's meeting on Wednesday, March 2nd, but Chief Deputy Clerk Leslie Raleigh said the office handled the recall properly. Commissioner Sean Shoemaker, a Republican from Fent Township, said the board has a limited ability to direct the county clerk's office but can require a written report. If there was something wrong, we need to get into it, Shoemaker said. We have an obligation to look at this. Shoemaker was among uh, commissioners appointed to a new committee formed by commissioners in January and charged with investigating what they said were complaints about the internal culture of the clerk's office. No findings have been reported by that committee to date. Um, do you think Clerk Register uh, Gleason's management of his office warrants more scrutiny? Yes. Well, Bobby, you're kind of in the middle of that. I mean, some of those the number of signatures that were knocked out seems to have changed significantly in a relatively short amount of time, hasn't it? Yeah, and Gleason actually admitted publicly that um, the way that those signatures were scrutinized was arbitrary, um, and the very definition of arbitrary is without any you know process procedures. It's by whim or you know personal choice. So the number of people whose signatures who were rejected, and many of them are well-known, prominent people in the Davidson uh, area, is astounding. It's just astounding. And one of the people whose, uh, I think it was his parents' signatures, both were rejected, um, called and talked to the township clerk in Davidson Township about it and was told, at least this is his, his telling of it, that it was over, there was no sense in going any further, and besides, a special election would cost the township $10,000, mm. which leads me yeah. to believe yeah. <laughs> that there's a question about the motivation to use this arbitrary power to exclude signatures. Uh, when you put a cost to uh, doing good government, that's the end of the argument. Yeah. You, you pay yeah, yeah, I mean, for whatever you need to do to restore confidence and civility in the process, whatever it takes. Right. If you say it's going to cost us too much money to recall them, yeah. that's not exactly a strong. Well, reason. even even Tim Bishop, the, the Davison mayor, was quoted as saying, "No, it's going to cost us too much money." Uh, and I confronted him about that, and he he defended himself by saying, "Well, you know, people want to know that he's taking care of their money. Well, yeah, they want to know that you're taking care of their right to vote." Um, I think that this is also going to be looking at the communications between uh, Gleason's office and the township uh, clerk's offices because there was too much. One of the things we picked up was the check sheet when they went through after the uh, signatures, after we challenged them, and the way that they checked off the ones that they then approved. And the question is, how did this occur? You know, did they contact the township clerks and confirm with them that these were acceptable? Did they do it on their own? Was it done arbitrarily? If people are going to have their absentee ballots scrutinized um, without any standards, and if you looked at the paper this week, there was an article about what was coming out of the Secretary of State's office uh, regarding the evaluation of signatures. And I, I saw that, yes. 
Yes. I think those things play a role. They're, they go together. Yeah. Well, in fact, in terms of, in terms of the, uh, the recall, weren't there 200 signatures initially voided, and then that number was reduced to, what, 38 or something? The initial, uh, we fell 96 short on the first run-through. Oh. Then they brought it down to 60, I believe, and then the final run-through was 38. And, and I advised my group, I said, you know, it'll keep going until you get one. There's <laughs> just, you know, it's just not going to happen. And the issue at this point is not, does Matt Smith continue to sit on the school board? The issue at this point is how are people's participation in government being fairly treated? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I know about it. Well, three former Flint officials charged with crimes related to the city's water want to join former Governor Rick Snyder on the sidelines in a civil trial that's uh, underway in federal court asking a judge to quash subpoenas that would otherwise require them to appear as witnesses. Former emergency managers Gerald Ambrose and Darnell Early, as well as former Flint Department of Public Works Director Howard Croft, filed a motion uh, to quash in U.S. District Court on Monday, March 7th, making the request of U.S. District Court Judge Judith Levy, uh, former Governor Rick Snyder, the best-known potential witness in a civil case brought by four Flint children against two engineering companies that advised the city on its water system, doesn't want to testify in the case. Attorneys for Snyder are asking a federal judge to quash a subpoena for him to testify during the Bellwether trial and say he will invoke his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination if he is forced to appear in court. Isn't ducking the issue sort of what got these guys in trouble to begin with? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. I think so. It, it was, yeah. uh, to my uh, satisfaction, it was never handled properly. Well, it wasn't, but I read the article that you uh, just quoted from, Tom, and it seems that they want to plead, uh, if they're forced to testify, uh, Fifth Amendment, um, that they don't want to incriminate themselves in case they are susceptible to being charged. Yeah, yeah. Well, we just we just have about a minute and a half before we go to break, and uh, I, I thought I would uh, bring this up very quickly while we're talking about some local things. Harriet Kenworthy, an adopted Flint native, intertwined herself within the fabric of the city and beyond by volunteering, providing leadership, and partnering with organizations and people to make things better. Kenworthy died Tuesday, February 22nd at age 93. And I, I brought that up. Um, she'd been involved, uh, and I'll just name a few of the organizations, Ruth Mott Foundation, Community Foundation of Greater Flint, Flint Board of Education, McLaren Healthcare Corporation, Michigan Association of Community Mental Health Boards, and, and several others. And I just thought I would mention her and see if anybody had any thoughts to share in the next 30 seconds or so. Harriet was a good friend of mine, and so was her husband, Watson, if you remember Watson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was always yeah. with her and always accompanied. They were just a few blocks there. away from here. We, we, yeah, we, we, yeah, they we, were we, wonderful people. And she was a good philanthropist. She was. She supported the uh, the cause of people who were had difficulty with government or with uh, 
securing health care or with bias or anything like that. She was a wonderful woman. Yeah, I didn't know her, of course, but I would say after reading the uh, article about her that she is one of those valuable people that we need more of in every community. Yeah, committed to to not so much their own ego, but just to really making the community better. Well, and actually um, helping very people who had, yeah, helping people when they weren't able to. Hello, there, citizens. We'll, we'll be right back. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, 
table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not, is a major factor in dancing like a retard, may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them, also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. From the Tom This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we continue our uh, political roundtable armchair politics on today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Bobby Clayton Walton. Uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who campaigned in 2018 on a promise to fix the damn roads, told the state roads agency Wednesday to pull out all stops to quickly address Michigan's pothole problem. That includes paying overtime, hiring more contractors, and speeding payments to local road agencies, Whitmer said in a news release after issuing an executive directive to the Michigan Department of Transportation. We're kicking this into overdrive, said Whitmer, who faces re-election in November. A cost for the speed-up plan was not immediately disclosed. Whitmer said the directive is intended to address a short-term pothole problem, but she will continue to address a long-term fix to the condition of state roads. Where's the money coming from, and is this uh, interesting timing given the uh, governor's re-election bid? <laughs> oh, second. Yes to the second one. Yeah, um, definitely. You did it. Definitely that. Yeah. I uh, well, of course, I looked out my front door, and the, you know, the I live on a community with you know two lane streets. There are cracks in right there in my street, and of course, it's partly because of the winter and everything. Sure. But the thing that occurred to me was um, the funding. She made a good use of bonding um, and getting the money to do the major repairs so i'm wondering if if there was enough bonding money to cover potholes or is that going to come out of the general fund yeah but you have to pay that back over time well of course you do sure. but it's a different so, part of the um, guys the source of funds. otherwise you'll have to draw from another line item in your budget which mm-hmm. leaves something else not taken care of so well, uh, you asked a good question tom where but is the that, money coming from but isn't Henry, isn't that true about anything that government yes. chooses to do? Because yes. it's it's a matter true of about um, your own pocketbooks too. It's yeah. a matter of priorities and a matter of uh, need. Yeah, I always think yeah. whenever something is is whenever there's a, a decision or an issue uh, looming in any government. Uh, organization, uh, legislative body, agency, whatever, that there are two questions: Who cares, and how are you going to pay for it? Yeah, well, right. who cares is important too. I was going but through. I care. The, yeah, 
Well, yeah, I think that was her number one campaign slogan, so it's going to be around this year as well. Is, is her new slogan going to be, I'm fixing the damn roads? Uh, yeah, I, I suspect so. <laughs> I do. I, or bear with me. I was looking through the um, agenda for today's Board of Commissioners meeting. Well, no, they're not having, it's a finance committee meeting today. Um, the things that are coming forth before the finance committee deals with funding, and um, some of it's coming from uh, the clerk's office, and some is coming from the prosecutor's office, and guess the source of the money? It's the COVID money, the AP money. Yeah, I'll go they say, want... everybody's rolling in the COVID money for now, but that's not going to last forever. Uh, COVID right. money won't, yeah. uh, that won't do it. There's so much scrutiny on that money, and it's... Uh, well, I, I wonder if COVID money, I wonder if COVID money could be used to pay for potholes. Well, uh, not unless it has something to do with COVID. It creates a difficulty. You can probably argue that you could spend something that would make it appear that way. You could probably well, then I would wonder say, why. Well, if, if you have good roads, you can go get get tested for COVID easier than, yeah. <laughs> than if you go through something potholes. Like that. I mean, you can make. I, I, know, to, I mean, I'm being sarcastic, <laughs> but I suspect there are but, ways to make connections there. But of the real problem. Are. But the real problem here is how you pay for it, and this is what Tom asked. How you pay for it, and doesn't that put us in debt further down the road? We're kicking the can down the road, guys. Do we just go out and put a, get a bond and and pass a bond to fix the roads? We have to pay that money back. Somebody has to pay that money back. It's and, called a and capital that investment. That, that that is, and we can't do other things that we need to do down the road because we're indebted to the hilt. So somewhere we have to. Well, I, re I remember years ago, and I don't know the cost of money today because I haven't looked at it, but years ago... 45% is what the dollar's worth. Well, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about bonding. So um, at that time, this was a few years ago, uh, money was really cheap. You could get money very cheaply, and we have a very mm -hmm. good bond rating. So I wondered at that time why we didn't use our bonding to do what we needed to do, because if you can borrow money and pay it back a very low interest rate, it certainly makes for a good long-term yeah. capital investment, because we talked about this, and I'm going to remind you of it, Henry. The last okay. time I was on, we talked about the use of the COVID money for long-term economic development right. issues, and it seems to me that improving roads is an economic development issue. Yeah, and, and I at think... the moment, interest rates are relatively low. They're not going to be that way for very long, but... Com compared to what they will be in the future, they are relatively low at the moment. So, and I would I would argue that if you're going to use COVID money, if you're going to find an excuse, a way to use COVID money for things like replacing bridges and and repairing roads, that it not be patches, but permanent repairs. The folks in Washington will never trust you guys again. <laughs> if you misused that money for COVID, because they fought hard to get that money. But don't and we they have, said this don't money we have, is designated only for its purposes intended. But don't we already have uh, roads and bridges covered in the infrastructure funding? Yeah, I thought there was money I think so. I think so. Well, maybe that's where the pothole money is yeah. coming from. But and I if would I have still a pothole in front of my house that's, that's big enough for ducks you go to swim in when it. it rains, when it... Oh, yeah, sure, right. Um, I don't want to wait until next year when they can get around to repairing it. I think a pothole patch would serve me just fine for a while. 
Yeah, but it pops I'm out of the ground. I'm just suggesting the next day, that if they're the next using year when you have the freezing and thawing, if they're using mm-hmm. one-time money, that they use it for one-time fixes. Well, I'm not in the road business. I just know. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, know the, rea- the reality is we, we've ignored so much of the roads so long that you can't. We're not. There's no way we're going to fix them all in one at, at one shot. I mean, no. And remember, year, there's a we've seen yellow barrels all over the expressways, and many roads already are being repaired. But again, there's so much that's been ignored for so many so many decades, really. That and it's, we, it's piling uh, up. Remember, and you said this uh, that <clears throat> roads are priorities uh, to new development and sustain our economic development. But roads are prioritized. First, the national highways and expressways, and then local roads, secondary roads, at second. And primary roads, which are roads like I live on, and I have mud on my roads and potholes and stuff, but I just drive right through them, I pass them, and my car gets a little muddy, but I can live with that, and I don't have to pay the taxes that other people pay on maintaining such a difficult thing to maintain where it is freezing and thawing uh, in the summer and uh, the spring, summer, and uh, fall, the roads are fine, but it's the winter, like right now, and freezing and thawing that are difficult. But the people who have to maintain these high roads have to know that it costs money, and money should be in a pot ready for constant improvement of the roads because they break down all the time. You know, it's what strikes me about some of the roads, some of the worst roads are these subdivision streets where they've oh, yeah, up a subdivision. We've got some friends who've got some you know, fairly nice houses and fairly new houses, but the streets are just horrible yes. because they've sprayed an eighth of an inch of concrete there and they fall apart very quickly. Uh, and uh, it's, it's 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 like a like a tank trap to get to their home sometimes, and I say these are fairly <laughs> new. These are not ancient roads or streets that are there. They're yeah. relatively new. And yeah. I noticed that too, Tom. Uh, I Paul. I noticed that the uh, subdivisions are poorly maintained. Nice homes, but the roads are yeah. picking up. They are, and when you talk about what you're talking about, Henry, every single whether it's a primary road or U.S. higher or whatever, has a different pot of money. Yes. Yes. And right because I was so. I was talking to someone about the Road Commission just a few days ago and uh, talked about how nice the roads are in Atlas Township. And they reminded me that Atlas Township has a pretty big pot of money to make matching funds when the Road Commission comes in and does some resurfacing. So it depends upon the township as well as the Road Commission, as well as the state, as well as the federal money. It's just a completely, it's a patchwork of where money comes from. So even asking the question is sometimes just begging to be put into a corner and not have an answer. And isn't it funny how much our roads resemble the funding? Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> exactly. That's right. The patchwork, you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's what happens when you have patchwork funding. You end up with patchwork, patchwork projects. Roads. Yeah. That's exactly right, which is why some people believe in autocracy where one person's making decisions. Yes. Well, let's see. We've got about a uh, minute till we break at the top of the hour. And um, 
then we'll be uh, moving into the second half. Um, an interesting thing we're going to uh, bring up about uh, the Supreme Court in Michigan and uh, Elliot Larson. Let's see, what else do we have coming up? Uh, oh, a um, remember the, uh, the uh, Canuck letter during Ed Muskie's presidential campaign? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, there's something similar going on with uh, former oh. Detroit Police Chief uh, James Craig. And we'll talk about that, too, when we come back. Um, mm. What else do we have coming up? Uh, well, let's see. More on uh, redistricting. we got lots of good stuff. Plus, we'll get to uh, Ukraine and some of the other things in the national headlines in the second half of Armchair Politics. But we're going to break first for our top-of-the-hour show ID, and uh, then we'll be back with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki, Henry Hatter, joined by Bobby Clayton Walton. Hi, I'm Alexander Zonjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program.